0: You are listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta, at the University of Calgary campus radio station located on Treaty 7 land. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, District 5 and 6. Disclaimer, the following program features language not suitable for all audiences, and the expressed opinions found within this program Program are a reflection of those who feature on the Pop Culture Effect podcast. Welcome to the Pop Culture Effect. I'm Rockin' Rob, and on this show, I bring my closest friends together to talk about all of the news happening in our pop culture world around
1: us. All right, Robbie, fine. I'm here. You win. We can talk about Doctor Who. You're not leaving the editor's room, though.
0: You know what? I'm just happy that I could finally trap one of you in here because it's been weeks.
1: I have the keys, bitch.
0: I've had to take through reality to just be a part of what you guys are doing. And I, I am just glad that I have some company right now. I've only, you know, I had to make a friend with an interdimensional rat, not subset. It's not even a rat, honestly. It's just a a pebble that I drew a rat face
1: on and I've been so lonely. You do realize there's a window, right?
0: Well, you guys, it is a window, but you guys put some furniture in front of it so I can't see shit.
1: All right, yeah, that is a comfortable couch.
0: Anyways, welcome Blaze to a place where time is an illusion and reality is a lie, and you guys have trapped me here for all eternity. And you're staying there. Yep, I'm staying here. But you know, I love it because I get to, I get, to, I, I get to talk about all the things I care about and all the things that you guys care about, and 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 listen and and enjoy, and totally not starve to death because you guys have left me here for weeks. Yeah, we've been weeks. You. Shut up. It's been weeks, Blaze. God damn it. I've been so alone.
1: I'll wave to you through the window.
0: What? The window? You put a couch in front of? Yep.
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yep. <laughs> you. And you know what? You know what, man? Now we can talk about Doctor Who, a show that I honestly never really cared about as a kid, but watching these four specials I'm like, okay, now I kind of now, now get it. I kind of get it, you know?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I grew up with Doctor Who. Uh, I started when, like halfway through Tenet's run, like I think right before, um, Rose left, uh, I think was when I first started watching some of his stuff, but then I went back and watched stuff of Egerton and the early episodes attend
0: mm, uh, Yeah, I saw like I saw like the debut of Christopher Eccleston and I saw kind of the story beats that were going from doctor to doctor, but I never sat down to actually watch a full season of it. it it's, it's just a show. It's, it was just like Star Wars and Harry Potter. It's just something that escaped me and I never found the time to watch.
1: You haven't watched Star Wars or Harry Potter. OK, <laughs> bitch. OK, I, need to I do a actually marathon no. with you and catch you up. God damn. I watched the newest Star, no
0: I, I watched the first of the newest Star Wars trilogy and then I didn't watch any others and me and my family did recently watch Harry Potter which was great but yeah up until that point it had just been another piece of media that I just let pass me by but yeah with these with these specials I like I said I think I think it is given me a purpose to watch because whether it's David Tenen or whether, whether it's Shuri Gatwa I really appreciate what Russ I, I know that a lot of people have problems with Russell T. Davies, and I'm just happy that it's no longer in the hands of Chris Chibnall because Chris Chibnall just did not understand the fundamentals of how to make a Doctor Who series. I need to get this off my chest, ladies. Why did he tell Jodie Whittaker to not look into the Doctor? Why did he tell her not to watch the fucking shit of Doctor It doesn't make any sense! Disclaimer,
1: disclaimer, none of us hated Jodie's run-through of the Doctor. She would have been a good doctor if the writers and directors did better with her with her version of the doctor.
0: Exactly. She acted exactly. the best of
1: her capabilities of what she was given.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much... Uh, man, I, 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 I think that there was some good in what she had. There was some good interactions that she had with her companions.
1: I did like, I just feel- I did like the episode where Jack Harkness came back.
0: Oh yeah, Jack
1: Harkness is always going to be great. But like, I
0: don't know, I, I felt like it was a situation where the doctor was the main character and and everybody else was just following what she was doing rather than them being a team and interacting with one another
1: as equals. Yeah, yeah, I can get that. But yeah, and I, I'm just trying I, to, I really um... I really did fall off with Jody's runtime as the Doctor. After Peter Capaldi regenerated, I just completely fell off the world of Doctor Who. But these specials brought me back with it. Oh,
0: man. Uh, yeah, and I'm totally not... There we go, I found it. Yes, I was looking for this YouTube channel. Goddamn. Yeah, when it came to my experience with Doctor Who, I was more of a fan, like, at least from the moments and bits I was able to glean from YouTube. I was a fan of David Tennant. I was a little bit of a fan of Matt Smith, but not as much, but Peter Capaldi was personally my favorite Doctor thus far. Really? And, okay. Oh, yeah. I loved I loved Peter Capaldi and the the goof he played on the Daleks where he's like this, admit it, you've had this exact nightmare. <laughs> it was
1: great. <laughs> oh, I did love that scene. I also liked the special where he met the first Doctor right before Regenerating. Right? And oh, he- that was has great. the first Doctor put on his Sonic shades? Oh, yeah. This, this, the first Doctor's be like, why am I wearing this? And he's just like, because I love it. Never take those off. What's Frozen oh, right? history? Never mind, take those off. <laughs>
0: it's, it's great. It's so good. Um, But when it, when it comes to Jodie Whittaker, it was just a situation where it felt like it was a disconnect from the the rest of Doctor Who, and I know I have been one in my in my bits to where, where I'm able to give credit to certain YouTubers and certain content creators that I feel I want to make mention. And there's one specific guy, Jack Wolf, and he has made a whole bunch of videos where he where he goes over specifically why Chris Chibnall's era of Doctor Who just didn't work and didn't mesh well. And I think they are some great videos and overall some great opinions on why it wasn't received as well. And you know, the moment that Jodie Whittaker regenerated, it just felt like this return to form, if it makes any if, sense. Uh,
1: yeah, if- but like a flip of a switch,
0: exactly, and and th- this switch kind of just like I I know it, w- it was definitely coincidental with like the timing of the launch of the Huniverse and all the other stuff, but it was it's re- like it feels like a different era in Doctor Who. Not taking into consideration Shooty Gotwa and the new Doctor and their move to Disney Plus and all that <laughs> with season one, which everybody's going to call is season thirteen at this point.
1: Yeah, but season- they're they're doing a whole new relogo and everything. with Doctor Who kind of feels like it's a a, a reset of the series. Yeah, they're, they're third now. Third reset. Soft reboot. I am glad that it's going to be on Disney Plus, though, so it's going to be a lot easier for Americans to oh be able yeah. to watch it and stream definitely. it for the new stuff.
0: And, like, even with me, I, I was a fool and thought of finding a totally legal way of watching the, stream- the episodes. I definitely didn't switch to Disney Plus because I found out I couldn't watch Wild Blue Yonder on streaming. Anyways, but yeah, I love that they're really trying to to put a lot of effort. It feels like the soul is back in Doctor Who. Yeah. But speaking of which, I think it's a good idea to get into these four specials. And uh, actually, actually, before that, I just want to get your opinion on on the universe itself because I think it is just a really great idea to host all of the old episodes on a specific streaming platform because you get you get all of Doctor Who just in and of itself with all of the extended universe stuff. It's, oh, it's just so good.
1: Yeah, I, with how much Doctor Who there is, it's definitely nice to be can find something to watch it all on one thing together. Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. So that way you can also just be able to watch it all in order with it all being together, which is nice. Not to uh, mention, there's so many specials as well that are outside oh, of the season.
0: I didn't even realize that there that there was a movie, there was a Doctor Who movie that I never knew about.
1: The 50th anniversary movie they did?
0: Uh, I think so, yeah maybe it was an maybe that it was one like an
1: older that one was movie. really good if you haven't watched that yet I highly recommend it that's fair you're listening
0: to the pop culture effect on CJsw but yeah when, when it comes to the when it comes to these four new specials I think the best place to start is with the star beast so blaze why don't we start with your opinions on it and uh tell, tell us about the tale of me
1: yeah I um I'll be honest though I was very shocked we were gonna get each one of the specials each week, because lately with Doctor Who, there's been like big gaps even between episodes, where oh, yeah. like we do like two episodes and then wait a couple months to get another two episodes and whatnot. It just felt like Doctor Who wasn't episodic anymore.
0: Which I mean, it's better overall. Like from a fan perspective, it it, it drives up intrigue. From a creator perspective, it gives them more time in between episodes, so they're not burning themselves out. <clears throat> Mappa, <clears throat> sorry, I've got some. Bullshit shit stuck in my throat. But
1: yeah, uh, Star Beast, it starts off with David Tennant's doctor realizing he's regenerated back into himself and lands back on Earth. And first thing that happens when he lands back on Earth is the TARDIS makes him appear right in front of Donna. The one person he cannot let remember him. That's
0: It was great. It was a great piece of continued continuity. I'm glad that Donna Noble showed up because she, uh, aside from a couple other characters that we'll get into later, uh, Donna Noble was one of my favorite characters of the whole
1: uh universe. She and complimented Tenet's oh, yeah. doctor very well. I mean, I know a lot of people like say like Rose was the better companion for him because she's with him the longest and he obviously loved her. But yeah. Donna had a really fun, like, brother-sister relationship.
0: That's exactly yeah. I I, I totally agree with you. It, it it felt a lot more like a camaraderie rather than a companionship. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it was a it was a great relationship. Reveal. I loved the intrigue of her calling out to Rose's name and that, like, fucking terrifying the doctor being like, wait, Rose, oh, fuck. wait, what's happening?
1: <laughs> yeah, just completely catching him off guard because this doctor has been through so much shit already. Right, the trauma. But
0: the one thing I want to note is that when I was originally doing research for this, I genuinely thought that I thought that there was a recast of the character Rose of Amy Rose. I was so so I fell victim to false information because it was just Donna's daughter, so it was a completely different
1: character. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was just Donna's daughter who ended up being coincidentally named Rose. It, there is no coincidence, well, you know. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Oh, man. But anyway, Wait. yeah, the the story continues on where he starts meeting up with a couple other people uh, as tended again. Um, he runs into unit as their Inspecting a ship that landed. I'm kicking myself for not remembering her name, but the unit... Oh, I don't remember her name was either. In the wheelchair. You know who I'm talking about?
0: Oh, I do. I know exactly who you're talking about. And as I was writing notes for this, I'm like, I can't remember her name, and I don't feel like rewinding to a point where they t- where they call out her name. Like I under- like she's most likely a very important character to the story. She felt like a vehicle for for a um info dump, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I still I still liked her character ization as the specials went on. It's just the first special. But but that's because I'm like unfamiliar with her character Ruth and Metally. her connection of it.
1: Natalie. Mm. That's her na- actual name. Shur- Shirley and Shirley, Shirley. is the uh, is the character's name.
0: I'm sure she's important to the story, but on some level I'm just like she's just a character that's telling me information right now. I I can't glean anything from her character at least from the, at least from the first episode. Yeah. Going off of what you were saying, I thought it was a crash landing. But they immediately explained that it was a proper landing, which I thought was just a crazy way to, like, I, I, I didn't expect that. And I also love the design of the ship. It looks really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, it definitely did look interesting. But, yeah, the doctor at first thought that, um, he thought that the gunner were hunting the meep alien that were on that was on that ship, but then find out that it was a prison escort and the gunner was keeping the meep prisoner because the meep was actually the threat
0: well I th- I think we're I think we're jumping a little bit ahead here I think we should go back to the fact that like meep was found by Donna's daughter and we get this whole scene where the meep is trying to like communicate with her toys because she's trying to help Donna because Donna gave away 160 million quid oh she my gave away God. 160 million pounds and like oh I, I, I forgot about that I hate it it's so it's so annoying because Sean and the doctor had a really nice conversation we're jumping around this special so much and I'm assuming that's going to be a lot what, what's going to happen throughout this whole portion of time but Sean is a great character I love him as like the father of Rose and the husband of Donna they, they had a great talk with or he had a great talk with the doctor but the daughter finds Meep, and eventually as you say the, the these men who have been possessed by a psychedelic sun rays and they hunt down the meep and there is these bug people that are also hunting down the meep and calamity ensues a big Big street-wide war battle, which is actually really like Doctor Who, because I feel like a lot of the episodes were, were street level, unless, until you get into like the, the the space-faring episodes. Um, I just really appreciated the low-tech designs of the aliens because they felt very low-tech, not in a bad way, but just they in a way that complemented exactly. It felt like classic Doctor Who, and uh, like you said, there's the the, the Doctor and all the fan, all of uh, Donna's family escape. They go to a parking lot and they confront Meep because Doctor has the thought of... It's actually a really wonderful scene where the Doctor acts as the judge and he goes through all the evidence and as you say, the reveal happens of Meep being bad, which who could have guessed? The cute thing being evil. Oh, no. But yeah, I really lo- I also really loved the characterizations of the bug people. I thought they were really cool.
1: Yeah, but well, after that though, then the Meep basically makes a beeline back to their ship to pretty much have it destroyed London?
0: Oh, dude. Dude, that shit freaked me the fuck out when I saw that. When it drill initiated and it just immediately started completely annihilating. Like, I thought it was gonna be a slow build, kind of like the injector from Spinel in the Steven Universe movie. But, no. No, that shit just kicked into high gear. And I'm like, holy shit, the stakes are pretty high right now.
1: But, uh, yeah, and then we, once Doctor and the Doctor and Donna get onto the ship and try to stop it, we get to the point oh. where the Doctor has to awaken Donna's mind the so Dr. that way Donna. bring back the Doctor Donna so that way she can help him stop the ship.
0: Oh, I loved that scene. That was so great. I specifically have in my notes written that the chemistry between the Doctor Donna and the Doctor was oh, it was just so heartwarming to see.
1: Yeah, it was definitely nice seeing it. It felt really like we were all the way back to the episode with the original, the original right. episode with Doctor Donna.
0: Right, I agree. It was, it was, it, was, it, it felt like no time had. Passed pass, even though 15 years have passed. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later.
1: Yeah, but he's managed to shop the ship and Donna looks like she's starting to succumb to her mind collapsing on her.
0: Yeah, that I I felt the emotion in that scene because I like and then obviously there's the big twist that because Donna has a kid, she also has a part of the Metacrisis energy in her. Yep, Which pretty, means
1: pretty much split it between them so that way she could survive longer. Which that part, I feel like, could have been the conclusion of
0: how they were able to maintain the energy. Yeah. I think the next scene was kind of
1: dumb. Oh, completely. It's my one gripe throughout this entire four-part it special. It was
0: stupid, because they used the power <laughs> of just, you know... Just, just, just let it go. And just ignoring it, man. Like, it's not a yeah. it's not a brain tumor. Like, come on, you can just ignore it. It's fine. Yeah. Like, what do you mean chicken? Okay, Okay, I, I need to go into my notes here, because I specifically wrote down like wait, let me let me let me find this. Yeah, the resolution to the Doctor Energy is that they let it go. So why didn't Donna do that the entire time? Yeah, like what? what? There
1: the, was there were no stakes. Literally in the episode, they were like, "We just thought of something that you can never do. Just let it it's go." Like,
0: Bitch, why you, did you do it? Why like, you were the Doctor Donna? Like, why? It doesn't make any sense. Like, I can understand if like okay, no, I can't understand. The solution should have just been, "We are now two minds linked. So now we have the capacity to maintain." this new energy. There you go. Yeah. There was no reason. It felt so silly and I get it. Doctor Who is in and of itself is a silly show, but that kind of took the cake where it was it, just like, oh, cool. So it, there was just no was stakes for Donna's fetched. life at all.
1: It was a bit far-fetched. They. It, it really was, was a very stupid cop-out.
0: But I will say the cop-out did lead to one of the funniest ending scenes ever where Donna <laughs> f- spill because Donna got fired from a job for spilling a, a coffee into a tea- into a computer and then she <laughs> Spilled another cup of coffee into the tardis, which sent them on their way to their next adventure, which was great. I love that. And now we get to honestly one of my favorite episodes of this uh, string of four episodes. We got the Wild Blue Yonder, which actually takes inspiration from the the song that played as they were crashing into the the spaceship that they found. But I love this episode. This, this it this was a very
1: a, interesting one,
0: right? Like the start was very campy with like Isaac Newton and. Uh, the discovery of Navity, which I hate it because it, it went through the rest of the season and I'm pretty sure they're going to keep it. They're, they're going to keep that change and I I want to see how consistent they're going to be with it. But I will say, I do love the interactions that the, that the Doctor is able to have with these historical figures. But we don't talk about the episode with Hitler, we just don't talk about that episode.
1: No, no he,
0: that never happens. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Gemini here, and you're listening to the pop culture effect on CJSW. Second episode, that starts off with the TARDIS crash landing on this unknown ship that is completely barren of... Any life?
0: The the green screening that they did looked very good because I feel like a lot of the time, like there were times where I could definitely tell. But as a whole, it looked very well polished. The CGI of the moving parts of the ship, oh, it was it was so cool. It's it, it's a really funny way that they do it because with how destroyed the TARDIS is, the Doctor has to implant the sonic screwdriver into to start a mending phase. But their curiosity, their Time Lord curiosity, gets the better of them, and they go to investigate the noise. There's this banging noise that they hear, and they go to investigate, but in the time that they take to go investigate, the TARDIS leaves them behind! Leaves the Doctor stranded, and this is uh, this is the first time I've seen and been able to appreciate an adventure where the Doctor is without his resources. He doesn't have his sonic screwdriver, he doesn't have the TARDIS, he just has his mind. That's all he has. I
1: mean, it's happened a couple times, but he usually has his screwdriver still, at least, but they there's been a few times where the TARDIS has just completely left him
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. And, but but i love the i love the overall aesthetic and the, and the tone of this episode i feel like across all four of these episodes each one kind of had their own tone yeah and I've, and i felt that really benefited to each of the episodes and, and with this one the dread and the overall suspense kind of increases as we get to the main kind of crux of the episode which is the doctor realizes that that the reason why the TARDIS left is because since it's in mending mode, it would disappear if it felt a threat. So the Doctor and the Donna had to investigate to take out this threat, which was honestly one of the coolest. Like, this episode really had some great ways of storytelling and and, and scene placement. I felt it was a really good ride, all in all.
1: Yeah, I I think what I thought was really well played was the first realization that they weren't alone on the when they're both in two separate rooms and one of them walks over to talk to the other. Oh, I love that scene there's like a five minute conversation that they're having with each other to then find out that they're not talking to the real other person.
0: Like, okay, usually in media, we only get one half of it, but the fact that we got both halves really added to this experience because we as the audience knew, hey, something's not right here and, dude, my favorite quote of this episode was, uh, like, my arms are too long. That was my favorite quote. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, dude. Because I even saw some I saw some social media posts with do- the doctor with his giant arms. And it, it, it spoiled this portion of the episode. But but going into it, watching it as I did, I it, it blew my mind to see it. Because I had forgotten about it at that point. And with, like, oh, it was just such an interesting concept. Because you didn't necessarily know what was happening. You didn't. You didn't know what this doctor and this Donna were, and uh, it was a really great reveal that they built up to because you got to see their enlarged limbs and eventually their whole bodies enlarge, and they were chasing them down this long hallway, and it was just such a great way to kind of isolate the two doctor and Donna in their own situations too. Because later on in the episode, they they would they would have these moments where they would have these deep introspective conversations because. These, these creatures would slowly start to adapt and read and scan those that they are in contact with, and eventually they'd be able to fully copy them, and it was just a very interesting episode to kind of decipher who is the real version of each other. Yeah. But it, but it gets to a point where we get some really deep talking points between Doctor and Donna, because it, it, it is eventually revealed that they're at the edge of the universe, and the these not things uh, invade the ship, and they they need to latch on to the doctor and the Donna to escape the situation they're in. And they do this by manipulating their minds. Like the, the scene that really broke me in a, in an emotional sense was when the not thing Donna was talking to the doctor about his traumas with the timeless child and everything that happened between Tenant's first run as the doctor and. Now and
1: heck, even I stuff just, before tenants Run* with the the Time War. Ex-
0: yeah, exactly. And it was just a great little touch because you know Donna would not know about the stuff that happened when they weren't when she wasn't with him. And it it it, it was just a great way to see how both of these characters, both Doctor and Donna, were able to individually decipher who is who.
1: But yeah, the episode was really interesting. It definitely felt like a shorter episode because it was just them, just the two of them on the ship. I mean, sure, there was the fake versions of them, but it was only those two in the entire episode,
0: right? It was It was a crazy departure because usually we get other uh, beings, but it was a very ground, not necessarily grounded, but it was a very um, minimalist episode when it came to cast yeah. and yeah, I, I I loved it as a whole. I loved the interactions that, doc, that the Doctor and the Donna or the Donna. I appreciated all the the interactions the doctor and donna would have with one another and there was even an interesting scene where the doctor took off his tie to say okay i'm the real one if we see another one with a the tie then he's the fake and then it's revealed that the the tie just disappeared because the knot thing doesn't know that when things leave you they still exist which i thought was hilarious
1: <laughs> yeah and then the whole thing with like throwing the salt down oh to that's... get them to start counting it
0: that was a great um mm-hmm that was a great scene but that that is something we'll be able to devolve further into later on but yeah i just thought it was a great reveal to really get into the mind of what these not things are and how they operate before the final reveal there was a weird scene that i just want to call out because the not thing doctor seemingly had a black x drawn on his head and i just feel like there's like a scene missing where the do- like donna and the doctor i don't know it just felt out of place it felt like there was a connecting scene missing where it was like oh this is a good idea I'll, I'll draw an X on you to, to prove that you're the real doctor or whatever and I, I don't know it's just a weird continuity I error don't that, that was never that. explained <laughs> yeah I, I noticed it and I'm like is that a, is that a re-? it might have just been his hair being in a crossing pattern but it looked like a sharpie written like drawn on in in the in the in an X it was really weird
1: yeah but at the end of the episode um, after the TARDIS comes back to pick them up before the ship gets destroyed Da Don- the doctor almost grabs the wrong Donna.
0: Right? Oh, that was so funny. It, it, like w- when I noticed that there was like a bit of time left in the episode, I'm like, wait a minute, are they going to do one more fake out? Yeah. Um, it was great. And, and but the biggest reveal of this episode, right before that, actually was the fact that the the, the 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 banging noise that they heard all the way at the start of the episode was the chain of the rope that was attached to the captain. Because, and again, we're jumping all over this episode. I don't know how the hell I'm going to edit this, but at the, beginning, at the beginning of the episode, the two constants were the banging noise and this old robot that they found. And later on in the episode, they eventually found out that the ship was just running in slow motion, and the captain, with their final act being to cause the ship's self destruction, but in a slow enough fashion that they would never be able to understand. And with the captain killing themselves, they would essentially stop the not things from learning how to operate the ship. I thought that was a really neat touch and a really heart wrenching touch because this this captain just like killed themselves. Like the, the vents opened two months ago and everybody thought it was something getting in but no, the captain left to, to save the universe from this thing invading. But yeah. back to your point, like the fact that the not thing was so close to being in the TARDIS and that it was a really suspenseful moment because I genuinely thought with how close the explosion was getting to Donna that it was Gonna kill her. Also, the 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 slow moving robot, the old slow moving robot that they saw was the entity that was given the order to self destruct. So he was given one order to walk the longest corridor ever to hit the self destruct button, which was hilarious in my opinion. I thought it was a great reveal. I thought the whole episode had had a really neat horror aspect, but still was able to fit in these neat little reveals. And uh, yeah, I thought holistically it was one of my favorite episodes of the four specials.
1: But the biggest the big end to reveal though going into the special three is we actually got a quick cameo of Wilford Mott
0: right? Uh, Bernard Cribbins oh.
1: came back to do one final cameo of his character right
0: before he passed dude it was so heartbreaking I'm he, glad he, they were able to get him on screen but my god if I
1: remember correctly he passed just a couple months after filming that cameo did he even live long enough to see it go to air? no because he died in 2022 Ha, <laughs> ha, a while back, so it was still in very early oh, production. His, dude, that's heartbreaking. They probably recorded his cameo very early on in production. Oh, I they, imagine. Knew his, they knew he was getting really up there in age. Yeah, he,
0: he was wheelchair-bound. He couldn't even stand up, which was crazy. <gasps> even so much so that at the start of the third special, The Giggle, um, which, spoiler alert, is literally my favorite special of the four.
1: It is but, the best one.
0: But there's a, there's a double that is used in Wilfred Mott's place rest in peace Bernard Cribbins He was amazing in this role in the in the small amount that he that he was in. I'm just very glad to, that he was able to have one last moment with David Tennant's doctor. It was great.
1: The doctor saw Bernard as his own father.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, it was just so heartwarming that we got to see one more moment before we get into the chaos that is the Giggle. And before we get you into the
1: chaos, so- I say beauty.
0: Oh, yeah. It was it was both chaos and beauty. It was amazing. You're listening to the Pop Culture
1: Effect on CJSW. But
0: yeah, to, to go on to the giggle, this is absolutely my favorite episode of the bunch and it is all because of Neil Patrick Harris. Oh my god, he
1: killed the role.
0: Literally, he he knocked it out of the park every single time he was on screen. I loved his introduction in the in the start of the episode where he had a German accent in the toy salesman shop which I just want to say had a really interesting um portion in it because it actually reflected the discovery and the intricacies of the first ever television in Soho in 1925. It was such a nice touch to really show how TV started. And it was a great start to the episode because it it then cuts right back to the doctor where it's revealed that the world is in chaos, but it's not for the reason you think because now everybody just thinks they're right, which is weird. It's this brain wave that, that gets entrapped into their heads and it affects every single person except for the task force that is helping the Doctor via the Vlinks, which is a robot that created the Vdex, which is an armband that helps avoid that brainwave affecting them.
1: I want to find out more about that robot. I hope we get more about him. And right? I loved his unit, design because that robot was completely new. You, right? It was not in any other previous Doctor Who episodes or specials.
0: It, dude, I, I loved his design. I loved his vo- vocal pattern. It was great. But yeah, the, the whole the whole conflict of the episode is this chaos that has plunged the world into chaos, as it were. And eventually it is revealed through multiple moments. I loved I loved the first meeting of the Doctor and the Toy Maker, where he's just dancing in the chaos with him. Oh with yeah, and the doctor has and no seat. idea yet that,
1: that that was the the toy maker.
0: And then eventually the doctor is able to surmise that it is the filming of the first doll head that Donna is able to actually transcribe it into a musical lettering. Where it is the toy maker's laugh, which links into the doctor's mind to go back to the first recording of television. And you get the big moment where the toy maker meets the doctor. And honestly, I absolutely love this whole section from start to finish. This part of the episode was amazing, but I think that this scene really sh- showed to me how amazing Neil Patrick Harris was in this role because the whole reveal of the doctor knowing the toy maker from the previous iteration of the show to everything in between to the puppeteer show, which I I, I want your opinion on because I absolutely love the puppet show.
1: Yeah, that was definitely really good. And definitely the toy maker was really digging into the doctor's past companions and, and really the trauma him, and like really like you really hear the doctor's excuses for all the companions he's lost. And you just hearing the toy maker. Well, I guess that's OK.
0: Hey. yep oh well that's all right then that was my favorite quote of the whole episode when he would when he would just take like you said take his excuses and be like oh that makes it okay
1: but yeah uh you kind of get thrown the the doctor and donna um pretty much get thrown through this fun house in the um toymaker's creation with the the puppet show uh there's this really cool scene where the doctor walks into this room to find this like life-size puppet Oh. String and oh, then he, when looks, I saw that? he looks up and then there's just this giant toy maker um, oh. pulling the strings of, of it and then he looks back at it and then it's Tenet's face. Yeah, dude,
0: that shit. Oh, that was such a cool scene. But yeah, going back to the puppet play, I, I I I really want to know your opinion of the toy maker and his his basic therapy session that he's having with the doctor in front of Donna because this was honestly my favorite scene of the whole. Four specials.
1: Yeah, it was definitely really good. It definitely really Showed that the Doctor hasn't really coped with the the loss of his companions, and he's just making excuses why they're not there anymore. Right from
0: Amy Pond to Clara to to Bill Potts, it's just so much has happened between the Matt Smith era, the Dave, the the Peter Capaldi era, the Jodie Whittaker era. So much has happened that the that the Doctor was just never able to kind of slow down and take it in stride. You know, the doctor just keeps going and going and going, and it's just crazy.
1: And then after that, they end up going into playing a game of cards to basically have the doctor win to get rid of the toy maker, which ends up failing.
0: Yes. However, a nice piece of continuity is that this makes them one and one because in the original series, the doctor beat the toy maker, which means in the fundamental laws of play and uh, the, the rules of his dom- uh, of the Toymaker's domain is that it's a best of three. You need to win a best of three, so that leads into the next section where I, I actually like this verbiage that the Toymaker uses. He he sets the challenge at twenty twenty three. I I would like to believe that his toy shop is the TARDIS. But yeah, this next section was great. The the whole reveal of the Toymaker and the the musical number that they had was oh my god, was fantastic! That musical
1: number was Neil Patrick Harris had a blast oh. doing that. Him doing
0: snow angels in the rose petals was was just amazing
1: but let's not forget the returning member melanie
0: right melanie is back i was not expecting that you know we got we finally get to see two eras of doctor companions interacting with one another i don't think that's ever happened when i think when i actually think about it
1: yeah that usually doesn't happen too often like you'll get like um, some old companions meeting up with a newer one but you never really get like companions from previous doctors meeting up with the new doctor's companions
0: yeah i agree um this was just a really heartfelt episode at least when it comes to the ending because it is revealed that the toy maker has access to this laser that they use to shoot down the the satellite which was distributing the um, message which li- li- like i've been saying we- we've been jumping around all over the place but basically it comes to a confrontation between the toy maker and the doctor and the toy maker wastes no time in shooting the doctor with the laser killing him uh and I loved I love this quote that he says my first like basically he was saying that his first game was with a doctor the second game was with the david Tennants version and the ne- and the final game will be with the next doctor which then starts with what i think is the coolest regeneration sequence which before before we get into it I just want to say um with Donna and with Melanie coming to comfort him. When they were holding his hands, there was a part of me that thought that when the energy dissipated, I thought he was going to say, hey, can you guys let go of my hands? I can't, (laughs) I can't, I can't.
1: Sometimes his regenerations can be very explosive.
0: Yeah, well, what I was thinking was that them holding onto his hands was stopping the energy from being able to leave him, so he was just kind of stuck in this, in this middle state. Oh, I'll I'll let, I'll let you talk about what happened next, because this has got to be the biggest moment that's ever happened in Doctor Who.
1: Yeah, so so we finally got a new type of regeneration called bi-generation right. where David Tennant healed himself and then the new Doctor split off of him.
0: Oh, it was such a great moment.
1: It, w- it was definitely interesting and nothing we've ever been seen or been hinted at towards Doctor Who, so I don't know if it's something that fans are okay with relatively, or if it's kind of weird for this to suddenly be happening, but I think it's very interesting. Oh,
0: right? I, I think it's also. Also interesting of the design because if you notice, Shudi 15th doctor is in his tidy whiteies because they kind of split the outfit across both of them.
1: Yeah, uh, he's wearing, uh, Shudi is wearing shoes, underwear, and the white shirt and the undone tie that right? the doctor's wearing and the doctor's wearing like his undershirt, his vest, and his pants.
0: One of the yeah, it, it was a great scene overall. I love the camera work with it too. It was great. Um, but the one thing I want to mention, and this is going to be my a first of hopefully many, this is the first pop culture effect HCT or headcanon theory. And God, that's so cringe. Ugh. Anyways, um, I believe that due to the toy maker's force of nature plays effect on the universe fundamentally changed what the doctor's regeneration was because just like the superstition of the salt in the wild blue yonder gave reality to the toy maker's invasion of their universe, so did the toy maker give reality to the myth of the bi-generation because Shudigawa when he and Tenant re- separate, he immediately says that they bi-generated and that it was supposedly to be a myth. And I think that's why the TARDIS stayed the same because it never technically was meant to happen and it was just something that only was able to exist because of the Toymaker's effect on reality. I I don't know your opinions on that. Yeah, I think
1: that makes a lot of sense, and then I think another thing, too, which I'll talk about a bit later after we discuss more about their fight with the Toymaker. But, yeah, after they bi-generate, they challenge the Toymaker to the third game, which is A game of catch! A game of catch!
0: (laughs) Which is funny, because that's the first thing that the Toymaker does when he meets the Doctor in 1925 is that he talks about the Game of Catch. Yep. So a great way to kind of connect things. But yeah, I, I love I loved this Game of Catch because it just showed the playfulness of Shudi Gatwa well? where there was even moments where he was throwing at the Doctor like hard, like he was actually going for the game.
1: What are you doing? <laughs> I'm on your
0: side. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was great. Uh, but yeah, eventually the toy maker actually loses and the Doctor banishes him from reality essentially. But before he is banished, I just want to say, there was one moment that I really appreciated between the Doctor and the Toymaker. That was with the Doctor trying to reason with the Toymaker and proposing an infinite amount of games across time and space. And I will say this, I would pay top dollar for a side series of the Doctor and Toymaker going on adventures and making games out of all of them. I would love that. It would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, he is banished and his legions are coming, which is, well, who knows what's going to happen there. But the one thing we are left with, with is the Toymaker's gold tooth, which is actually the master trapped within him. So there are multiple things at play and the final reveal of the Toymaker's one fear is the, the one who waits. So now we have at least three plates spinning for stories that they can tell later on in the series, which I really appreciate. But I think it is time we talk about Gotwas doctor because, oh my God, I love his personality. I love his style. I, I love him as a whole.
1: Yeah, it was definitely an interesting scene him communicate with David Tennant's doctor at the end of the episode and then also saying that um, he's fine because the doctor fixes himself and that they're doing rehab out of order. Like, once David Tennant officially goes to die-die, like, old age or whatnot, he, it will regenerate into god um, Godwa's doctor and then get ricocheted back to the point where the bi-regeneration happens.
0: Yeah, and I just I, I just want to say there are a few moments that I absolutely love from this, and that's. It's just the smaller moments of Shuri Gatwa's doctor saying like I'm here for you. Like we finally get a moment where the doctor has a support system where he's not just on his own or being depended upon. You know he's actually has someone he can depend on finally.
1: Yeah and he can actually finally live a peaceful life and cope with right? everything that he's done.
0: But before we get to that I want to say one thing I hate like I think Shuri Gatwa is a monster because with the magic toy maker's mallet because the toy maker's domain was still in the fact he was able to duplicate the TARDIS, he then uh, showed off that one of the TARDISes had wheelchair accessibility. But then he took that TARDIS. So David Tennant has the TARDIS uh, unless they both have wheelchair accessibility. The guy just took the one with like I thought that was a funny. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, no, I, just- I think
1: I think he took I think he took the one with the wheelchair accessibility because the one that had the wheelchair accessibility had the jukebox. The other one didn't.
0: Yeah, so I'm like, wow, dude, g- great job. The one, the one person. With a wheelchair now can't get into the TARDIS that is within reach, you know, with, with David Tennant. I just thought that I just thought that was a really funny, funny moment. But yeah, we like, dude, this last scene with David Tennant's doctor actually being able to sit down and have a normal dinner. It felt like it was from a completely different media.
1: Yeah, he was actually
0: happy. Right? He was happy. It felt so weird. And then obviously there's a reveal that um Rose convinced him to take her to Mars and New York. It's just funny little things like that where you know. This could be its own little side series where it's more slice of life and less intergalactic adventures. Because we all know David Tennant is kind of one of the most popular Doctors that they've ever had. Also, before we continue, shout out to BBC because they got a news, an actual like BBC like news report that was that was playing live. I just thought that that really made it feel like we were in the real world. Because I feel like a lot of the times we have like Channel Six news, like like non-specific channels and radio stations that. don't lend to reality, but I felt like this really lended to the reality of it. I'd like to take this opportunity to add a little tidbit in between my past self and Blaze heading off into the shooty Gatwa era, and that is that by the end of the giggle, Donna was uh, able to secure herself a very cushy position at unit with plenty of pay and plenty of vacation days. So I think she's finally redeemed herself for giving away all that money at the start of of the Star Beast. And I'm gonna pass it back along to myself and Blaze as they give you their thoughts on the Shudi Gatwa debut.
1: Menace here, and you're
0: listening to the Pop Culture Effect on CJSW. And with that, Blaze, I think it's finally time we finish off with the Christmas special with the first appearance of Shooty Gotwa's Doctor, because this is just, this was great. I loved this episode. I loved the implementation of Ruby Sunday with the new companion and the Doctor's wardrobe as a whole, but this Christmas episode definitely felt like the holiday specials of old from all the other old uh, style shows that would do these where it was it was basically about these goblins looking for babies to eat it sounds horrifying but yeah Ruby tries to save the newborn baby that they're given because she herself is a foundling that was left to see or that was left on the front porch of a church she's been interviewed about it and she's had bad luck following her and it's revealed that these goblins are the cause of it and... When Ruby and the Doctor meet, it, it gave me it gave me the real connection to Doctor Who that I'm assuming you had with David Tennant and uh Rose. Uh yeah, I I, I feel the same that you probably did when you had that first doc. Companion interaction, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. What, what did you think of the start of this this fourth or this fourth special?
1: I thought it was good. I literally like the chemistry between um, this new Doctor and Ruby Sunday. I think that it's going to be really nice seeing the chemistry between them to those two as the series progresses afterwards. It definitely feels like we have a younger Doctor again. With like, right, even though he's technically older, technically older, but it feels it feels like we're back with David Tennant and Matt Smith, where it's like. a Younger esque, like personality doctor.
0: Right? Like, the, the overall quality of this episode was great. Like, the, the CGI of the goblin ship. The, the, we get another musical number, which was great. I loved the goblin singing, and the fact that the doctor and Ruby both joined in on the song to save Lily, L- whatever the baby's name is. Uh, they they join in on the song to save the baby, and oh, I just, I, I love the concept as a whole. And then the midway reveal is that they feed on coincidences and luck and it's kind of this new type of rule set that the doctor has never been associated with so it's 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 a really nice fish out of water type episode
1: yeah I thought it was done really well and I thought it was a really good first episode for this new doctor showing off what he can do
0: right I definitely agree with you there it gives a fresh feel to the to doctor who as a whole I loved the intelligent gloves by the way those were great
1: yeah that, that the, those kind of interesting but yeah Plus that could um, either make it lighter lighter or heavier right it, oh, it, I, I thought that was
0: such an interesting invention i loved the the scene where the doctor was just hanging off the rope with without like being support like it was just oh very mary poppins with that scene right that's that's uh, that's what i was thinking when i was watching it i'm like this looks straight out of mary poppins y'all Oh mary poppins y'all <laughs> anyways um the big reveal of the episode is that the goblins actually end up taking ruby from the Pass because the start of the episode was Ruby getting left on the doorstep of the church with her mom leaving, and then the Doctor coming out of the TARDIS, and then that comes full circle when the Doctor has to go back in time to save Ruby as a baby. And, yes, and one interesting tidbit that I thought was really cool about this episode is when the initial change to history happens, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't notice it, but behind Gatwa, the fridge that was filled with the thirty-three children that the the mother had adopted and raised even before the reveal of the fridge you could notice that it was an empty fridge there was not a single picture on it so i just thought that was a really cool piece of continuity and just the whole scene as a whole from the doctor going back in time to saving ruby sunday's life um being able to yank down the entire boat and piercing it on the church was great oh uh, yeah it, that was it, definitely it, awesome it, it was so cool and the way that the doctor was just was just disgusted with the way that ruby would call them time travelers oh i loved
1: it it was great because
0: goblin king got stabbed he died i love the effect of the, the the ship disappearing it was so cool
1: yeah it was nice to seeing ruby's react once ruby was back in the timeline after um the doctor fixed it um ruby finds the doctor's tardis and you get her like walk around the, the classic moment yep. I, oh i always love it it's, big, it, ship, it's bigger on the inside, inside walk back out come back in
0: just who are you oh it was it was great i love it And I also loved the neighbor who was apparently in on it, and then she even did a fourth wall break at the end.
1: What, have you never was, seen was, a TARDIS was, before?
0: Right? Oh, it was great. It was great. But yeah, that whole that whole resolution of the doctor feeling like he is the bad luck so for the first time he's gonna choose to not, because I feel like a lot of the time it is the doctor that is imposing this choice on the companion where this time it felt like Ruby was the one to take the step to be like oh, this is a choice I'm gonna make independent of the doctor. Yeah. It was great. And and also, shooty got has got some pipes on him when he was
1: singing. That was, that was crazy. Oh yeah, he has a really good voice. Um, one thing I want to add oh. though, his screwdriver is completely different from all the others. His looks right? like a, it looks looks like like a, a mouse. We- it looks like a weird remote.
0: It looks like a flat remote. Like, oh, it looks like that one remote from that episode of Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was so cool. Um, I think he should really change the name because it's not really a screwdriver anymore. Like Sonic Remote is probably a
1: better name for it at this point. Right, but overall, had, it has oh, like know. a USB drive that flips out in the front that's right? universal to plug into anything.
0: Because there was this promotional video that was put up on the Doctor Who YouTube channel where <laughs> Shooty actually went through like different aspects of his character from the from the, his suit to the sonic sh- screwdriver to his accent. It was great. It was lovely. But yeah, as a whole, I loved these four specials. Like episode one was a great return to form with the aliens and the action scenes. Episode two was a great horror escapee type episode. Episode three got the wacky shit and then up episode in 4 in all the good
1: ways possible.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Episode 3 was by far my favorite. Episode 4 kind of made things a little bit more uh unfamiliar and throwing the doctor out of his comfort zone, which I loved. And I loved all four of these specials. Uh I, I but I'm curious how you would rank these as a whole.
1: I I'd probably have to rank it from least favorite to favorite. I'd have to go the first episode, then the- the... the fourth, and then I have to go second, and then third being the best.
0: That's honestly how I'd see it. I think the only thing that I'd make difference is that I I actually like the Christmas episode. Actually, I think my ranking would be exactly the same as yours, because the the, the first episode, in my opinion, just felt like an episode in the season of Doctor Who, rather than its own special. Whereas the rest of these episodes really felt like they deserved to be their own special. Yeah. But yeah, going back to a talking point we talked about at the beginning of this now probably full length episode is with the Hooniverse, I just want to make a quick shout out to all the extra content that is related to Doctor Who, like the like the extra audio novels and all the extra other content. There's, there's another YouTube channel I want to call out, uh, the Doctor Who Expansive Multiverse. They're a YouTube channel that does audio based stories with their own. I think they have like three or four doctors now. It's really cool and I think it's deserving of being checked out. And obviously Obviously, since we're talking about Doctor Who, I really want to have a quick minute to talk about the Rick Sanchez versus the Doctor death battle because I'm so glad it wasn't pixel art. It was literally in the art style of animated Doctor Who and Rick and Morty. It was great. Obviously, the Doctor won because, you know, he is the Doctor. He has a device that disrupts all types of electronics and 99% of Rick's arsenals uh, is... A- yeah, it's just it's just so crazy that they, they thought... It, it, it's It's like putting Goku versus Superman again. Like, you're doing it for the spectacle. You're doing it for the battle because obviously one side is vastly more prepared than the other side because the doctor can just disassemble all of Rick's gear. But yeah, it was a great battle. Great animation. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, I, like, I, did you... I, I, did, I did see it. I, I'd i love to get your thoughts on it because I, I thought it was one of the better battles that they've done.
1: It was definitely a good one. Um, Rick against the doctors were really, was a really good option for a death battle. I think the right. fight went really well and made a lot of sense in their arsenals of what they could do, and it made a lot of sense for the Doctor to win.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a great episode. I just feel like there was some lacking potential, because, you know, with this type of situation, I think, like, there should have been at least, like, a two-minute fight scene where the Doctor brings in all of his previous incarnations, and Rick either brings in an army of seeks or he brings in other alternate reality versions of Rick. I just feel like there should have been a little bit more, like, showing off, if, if, if that's a good way to, to describe it. With yeah. This yeah. battle. Because it felt too one-on-one, you know? Like, the whole point of these characters is that they are not just one, they are a group, they are a collective, you know?
1: They, pro- they probably would have made the fight be a little too long, though. Too long and probably too
0: complicated to animate. And this has been what was supposed to be a small chunk of time, but has now ballooned into... How long have we been going, Blaze? hour and 15 minutes. Yep, it's, a f- it's gonna be a full episode. Guess what, guys? You get a whole episode of Doctor Who! Let's go! This was not at all Supposed to happen, but I guess this is the world we live in now. Anyways, a- and if I want to make a side note, this was probably the best case scenario, anyways, because I don't think anybody else would have given a shit enough about Doctor Who to talk about it as much as we have.
1: Yeah, probably not. I, I think uh, Gemini would have hopped in a little bit for a few things. Yeah, but, but
0: I feel like Gemini, she- like she said, she she was so far disconnected from Doctor Who that I don't want to say she wouldn't have had anything to talk about, but I I think it I I think it is good that it it was just the two of us to bounce off one another and with it still kind of being fresh in our minds but I do want to say (laughs) the timeless child that whole concept god damn it chris chibnall why did you the doctor was supposed to be one of a race that decided against what the rest of the race was doing but now the doctor is the source of all the regeneration energy and and the time lords were just a race that benefited from him and it kind of completely defeated the whole individualistic perspective of the doctor and it's no longer just one of many that chose differently but it is the prophecy child i hate the concept of prophecy children in media it's so dumb it's the same thing with naruto when they revealed at the end of the oh, you're a reincarnation. Like, no. That <laughs> takes the whole po- the whole drive and character and love out of... Like, I don't know. That's just my opinion, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just <laughs> ranting at this point. I don't know what your opinion is about the prophecy syndrome that we've come into contact it, it with It gets with media. used...
1: A, it's fine in some aspects, but it does get reused a lot.
0: Right? Because then the whole problem is, what uh, spe- specifically with The Timeless Child, now it throws all the numberings out the f***ing <laughs> window because in that one scene where it did show it. There was like, wasn't there like four different faces that the Doctor had in that one scene
1: alone? I think so. It's been a while since I've watched any of them.
0: It's been a while since I've seen it too, but it, but my main point is that it threw the numbering completely out the window. Yeah,
1: it really did. Yeah.
0: But speaking about throwing things out the window, it's time we throw this episode out the window and, and end it because holy fuck, Jesus Christ, we, I, I, we need to stop talking about Doctor Who and get back into a normal format. Anyways, this has been our prompt do not really should have been an episode episode about doctor who that we're, we're recording that we really shouldn't have been like the like uh, l- again this should have been like a 15 minute bit and then it's just fucking voluted to like an hour dude i don't know how i don't know how <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Blaze, for joining me in the Editor's Dimension. Finally, finally, I get some company. It's unfortunate that we can only fit two people in here at one time, but, you know, it, it was it was worth it. I'm glad we could hop in here and talk about, in my opinion, one of the, the longest-standing shows and one of the most beloved shows of all time with Doctor Who, because I know you love it, and I'm starting to love it, and I might even just tune in for to see what was going to get up with.
1: Uh, if I remember correctly, the next season's going to start around spring.
0: Yeah, the the, the end of uh, the church on Ruby Road revealed the the release date of uh, spring of 2024, which I'm excited for. Also, I just want to say it's a little nitpick, but at the start of the Starbeast, I feel like it really would have benefited from that little monologue from David Tennant being on like a social media post as like a promotional like a piece of promotional material for the special because I feel like it kind of detracted from how it would have been if it just cold opened right to the start of the episode. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about the the, in, the the little monologue introduction at the start of this whole thing?
1: Um, I don't mind it. Doctor Who's been around for so long that they've done so many other different things.
0: That... Yeah, you needed a way to kind of catch up newer audiences. Yeah, but hey, you know, we got Donna. We we had Donna for three whole hours. I'm so happy that we that we got what we got with this, and wh- whether this spins off into David Tennant having his own side series, or we just focus on Shurigawa, which is what Russell T. Davis has kind of uh, implied. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited for, for this new era in Doctor Who, and I just want to thank you for joining me to talk about it, because, my god, it has been so cold and alone, talking about these topics alone every time. I feel so <laughs> cold. You guys don't even install heating. I'm freezing my ass off, because it's, it's not even the temperature of the United States. Somehow, you guys have programmed this place to take the te- temperature of Canada which sucks it's I hate it I hate it so much because it's always so goddamn
1: cold do you realize there's a space heater under the desk right you're putting your foot on it right now it's
0: faulty turn it on I did try to turn it on but I looked on it it at a big old middle finger fuck you drawn on by subset and I'm pretty sure he sabotaged
1: it I'll make sure they give you a warm meal
0: the little shit's out to get me you it better be a warm meal I haven't eaten in days uh anyways um to, to to get the over dramaticism over with uh thank you so much Blaze for joining me on this yet again. I will say again, I will repeat myself. An episode that wasn't supposed to be a full ass <laughs> episode, but I guess it is now. But yeah, thank you, thank you for joining me on this conversation about Doctor Who. I- I'm appreciative that I was able to get your perspective on it. Yeah, uh, any no problem? Any 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 final notes? Any final words you'd like to leave us with? fun in the editor's room. God Bye. damn it! God damn it! I was expecting, uh, a... Robert, you're a bitch, but I guess I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. All right, it's been fun. It's been me, Bobbert. It's been it's been Blaze. And we will see you in the next episode. Farewell, everyone. You know, I didn't think I'd need to record one of these, but it seems past Editing Dimension Rob didn't realize that I uh, had to do an actual outro. So I'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening, for taking the time to uh, listen through Blaze and Eyes rendition and romp through this latest edition of Doctor Who. And I'd like to incite all those listening to check out all the other podcasts hosted on the cjsw network and thank you listeners and we will see you in the next one you're listening to the pop culture effect on cjsw